0: Church, How are you? Everybody good? My name is Gene Apple, and I'm from Eastside Church in Anaheim, California. And you have no idea how honored I am to be with you this weekend, to be with the 95th Campus also. And uh, this is really a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this, and uh, I respect this church so much. It has such a great history, and God's done so much here. And uh, I can tell you this, though, at the time of transition that you're in right now, I'd be willing to bet that your best days as a church are still ahead of you. And I can say that with confidence for a couple of reasons. I've gone through two major pastoral transitions like you're going through in my lifetime. One is I left a church that I served in Las Vegas where I had been senior pastor for 18 years. For 18 years. And then I went to a church uh, five years ago in Anaheim, California, where I followed a pastor who had been there for 17 years. And in both cases, the church in Las Vegas and the church in Anaheim have been writing significant new chapters heading into the future with God's blessing. And I just have a sense that you people know when you pray, when you trust God, like I think the word around here is unstoppable, uh, this is an unstoppable church, and your best days are really ahead. And I, I believe that. Now, uh, whenever I say I spent 18 years in Las Vegas, people are always surprised at that, you know, because they hear like Las Vegas Church sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? And people want to know, oh, what was that like? You know, did you have an Elvis impersonator doing the prelude? You know, did you have girls in bikinis announcing hymn numbers? Tithe machines in your church lobby, you know? Uh, Actually, it was like ministry anywhere else, Las Vegas, people are people, except we were paid a little differently than most pastors are paid. Rather than get a paycheck once or twice a month, uh, like most places, uh, our board would call us in every Monday and give us a couple rolls of quarters and wish us luck for the week. And uh, so, no, that's not true, okay? so. Hey, I want to get started with you this weekend by playing a name association game. I want to say the name of someone who's fairly well-known, and then I want you to shout back to me what they're well-known for. And I want you at 95th Campus to participate also. I say the name of someone well-known, you say back what they're well-known for, okay? So uh, first name, Frank Lloyd Wright. Architecture, Architecture, yeah. Uh, John Grisham. Author, Author, books. I love John Grisham novels. Uh, Oprah. TV, talk show, money, <laughs> queen of the world. Um, how about uh, the late Mother Teresa? Charity. Charity, saint, mercy, yeah, absolutely. How about Beyonce? Music, yeah, Music, yeah you know. If you liked it, you should have put a ring on it, you know. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm good. How about uh, Derrick Rose? Basketball. basketball, yeah, good. How about Kim Kardashian? It's kind of a mystery to me, too, to be honest with you. Yeah, you see, my point is, everybody is known for something. Uh, when, when people hear your name, you're known for something. When people hear my name, I'm known for something. A friend of mine gave me an obituary from the New York Times a while back, and it had just uh, two sentences in it. It said, uh, Victor Dorman who changed the way Americans buy cheese by putting paper between the slices as chairman of the Dorman Cheese Company, died on March 4 at his home in Delray Beach, Florida. He was 80. Now, my friend also discovered that Mr. Dorman had been a naval officer, he'd been a philanthropist, he'd lived quite a life, actually, but at the end of 80 years, the thing that he was known for was putting paper between slices of cheese. That's what he was known for. Attended a funeral a while back, a a buddy of mine, his dad died, and I wanted to go and stand with him. And his dad, in the professional world, had been a financial big league hitter his entire adult life. And at his funeral, he was remembered and eulogized for three things, and only three things. Golf, money, and power. And I walked away from the funeral that day so sad that my friend didn't have something of more substance and depth to remember his dad by. But it's what he was known for. You know, from the time we're young, all of us have irrational dreams of greatness. We have a sense of, we want to live a life of purpose. We want to live a life of destiny. We want to live a life of greatness, you know. And I mean, like, nobody says when they're little, I want to grow up one day and be vice president of the United States. Or I want to be third string quarterback for the Chicago Bears when I grow up. No, you say, "I, I want to be the best. I want to be the top. And I want to say stretching out in front of you right now and stretching out in front of me right now is the rest of our lives, all of which, as the team sang, is still unwritten. It's unwritten. And I want to ask you a question this weekend, and I'm not trying to wig you out. I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just trying to give you clarity. If this year were your last year on the planet... What would you want to be known for? How would you want to be remembered? What would you want your legacy to be? That's not an idle question because one year will be your last year on the planet. Now before we're done this weekend, I'm going to ask all of you to take some time and to write a legacy statement, what you want to be known for. In fact, I'd like to ask all of you to reach in front of you in one of those holders, there's a, there's a bookmark like this and it has the shuffle logo on it. Would you just grab one of those? I'd like everybody to have one and we're going to write a legacy statement before we're done this weekend, but I don't want you to write it right now. I want us to just spend some time thinking about what would be legacy worthy? What would be worthy of writing down here? What you would want to be known for? I clipped a headline out of the Chicago Tribune a few years back and uh, it It said, Architect's Legacy Going Up in Smoke. Architect's Legacy Going Up in Smoke. And you can see this fire truck in the picture. And it's an article about the world famous architect Louis Sullivan of a century ago, who at one time had 130 buildings dotting the skyline in Chicago that this great architect had designed. And over the years they'd come down, they'd burned down. A year before this article was written, there were 23 buildings still remaining. And then in the This last year, three more had been burned up in fire. So now there were only 20. And thus this headline, Architect's Legacy Going Up in Smoke. Architect's Legacy Going Up in Smoke. And the phrase that just kept haunting me was that phrase, Legacy Going Up in Smoke. Legacy Going Up in Smoke. And I thought to myself, what is it that I give my time to, my days to, my energy to, my resources to, that's just going to go up in smoke one day? that doesn't really ultimately matter. And I think what was really at the heart of the question that I was wondering about is, what is the supreme legacy that you can write with your life? Anybody curious about that? You know, the Bible tells us the answer to that question, and it comes down to three primary things. Life is full of primary things, For instance, every architectural building in the world, every architectural marvel, including this beautiful auditorium, including the campus, 95th Campus, comes down to three primary things. Line, angle, curve. There are thousands of colors in the world. You can go into any paint store. You can go ask Sherwin-Williams, and they will tell you that all those thousands of colors come down to three primary colors, red, yellow, blue. Primary things, line, angle, curve, red, yellow, blue. Well, the Bible tells us when it comes to leaving a legacy that will last, a legacy that matters, living a life that is legacy-worthy, it comes down to three primary things. And here they are in First Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain. Notice the word remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are the primary things. Line, angle, curve, red, yellow, blue, faith, hope, and love. First, the Bible says there's faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so faith is huge. Our entire salvation and eternal destiny depends on faith. And then there's hope. You cannot survive some of the setbacks and heartbreaks and disappointments in life that just hammer you without a sure hope. And the Bible tells us that God has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But then there's love. These primary three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The New Living Translation puts 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says, let love be your highest goal. In other words, love is to be the greatest aim, the loftiest pursuit of your life. Love is the supreme legacy that anybody can leave with their lives. Now, have you ever wondered? Many of you are familiar with that verse, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Why is the greatest of these love? You ever wondered that? Here's why. Because of these three, faith, hope, and love, love is the only one that's going to go with you to the other side of the grave. When you get to heaven, you won't need any faith in Jesus Christ. You'll see him face to face. You won't have to put your faith in him any longer. In heaven, you won't need any hope because the Bible says in heaven, there's no sickness. There's no tears. There's no death. There's no tiny caskets. There's no heartbreaks in heaven. You won't need hope. But heaven is a place Of love, because God is a God of love as we see in Jesus Christ. And so love is the greatest of the three because it's the only one that's going to the other side. It is the supreme legacy that you can leave with your life. When you think of Derrick Rose, you think of basketball. When you think of Oprah, you think of TV. When you think of John Grisham, you think of novels. You know what I wonder? I wonder when people think of you, when people think of me, Do any of us have a name that is synonymous with love? We were living in Las Vegas when our kids were little and we decided to take them over to Anaheim, California to visit Disneyland, the most expensive, I mean happiest place on earth. (laughs) And uh, it seemed like Everyone on the planet was at Disneyland that day. Some of you have probably been to Disney World on one of those kinds of days or something like that. And it was just wall-to-wall people. And I'm telling you, after a day of fighting Disneyland crowds and standing in Disneyland lines and paying Disneyland prices, I was absolutely numb. You've heard of an out-of-body experience. I was having an out-of-money experience. And so at the end of the day, my wife and I, we, we go outside the gates, and we're waiting for a shuttle bus that's going to take us to our hotel. And uh, I've got one kid in one arm. Barbara's got another kid in the other arm. And you know, our kids are little, and, and uh, we're just exhausted. And I started looking at the size of the crowd waiting for the bus, and I realized there's more people here than there's going to be bus. And so when the bus pulled up, I did the only Christian thing to do. I threw an elbow, and I got on right away, and I staked out a place right on the front row. I was right on the front row of the bus, had a place for uh, Barbara and I. We had our kids on our lap, and the bus started filling up, and every row filled up. And Now the aisle started filling, and people were standing in the, in the aisle. And then there was this family, the last ones to get on the bus get on, and there's this dad standing next to me, and he's holding a little girl in his arms, uh, just a beautiful little girl, about 10, 12 months old and i'm sitting in my chair and i look up at him as he's holding that little baby and i'm looking down and do you know what my first thought was Whew, sure glad i got here first it would suck to be you right now and i was just basking in this universe called gene and all of a sudden i looked across the aisle and And there was another dad over there, and he stands up, and he says to the dad, he says, oh, please, he says, "Uh, take my seat. And he goes, oh, no, that's okay. He goes, oh, no, I would feel so much better if you were sitting down while you held that precious cargo in your arms. (laughs) I felt so small and so self-absorbed and so selfish Because you want to know the truth about me? Sometimes, many times, I don't love very well. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13.1, he says, If I speak in human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He's saying, if I have speaking abilities that can mesmerize thousands of people, if I master 20 foreign languages, if I become known as a great communicator, but I don't love, it's only a cacophony of noise. And he continues, he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. He's saying, if I graduate magna cum laude, if I'm a member of Mensa, if I have so many degrees after my name, they call me a thermometer. He says, if I have the Bible memorized, if I can split theological hairs 20 different ways, but I don't love, I am nothing. And he continues, if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. He says, if I don't love all that I say that I believe, all the spiritual convictions that I hold, they're useless. And he continues, verse 3, if I give everything I own to the poor, think about that, if I give extravagant amounts of money away to important causes in a broken world, but if I do it out of prestige, or if I do it out of guilt, or if I do it out of power, or out of pressure, and he continues and says, and if I even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere So no matter what I say, or what I believe, or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. To sum it up, God says, I can have the eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the dedication of a martyr burned at the stake for telling other people about Jesus Christ, but if I don't leave a legacy of love, it all adds up to a big, fat zero these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love and friends for love to be of any value it has to be expressed what good is unexpressed love Here's a verse every one of us ought to memorize. Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The only thing that counts. I had a blast from the past a couple Thanksgivings ago. I grew up down in Lincoln, Illinois. And we were having Thanksgiving dinner at one of my sister's house. and, And another sister said, Hey, did you know that the house that we grew up in is for sale, and it's vacant. And my sister's a realtor. And I said, no kidding. I said, do you think we could go see it? And she said, let me see. And so she called the listing agent, made arrangements, and on Thanksgiving Day, we went through the house that I had grown up in. I hadn't been in that house in over 30 years. It had been a brand new house when we moved into it. In fact, I have a picture of it. This is when I was a little kid standing out there with my dad. That's me. And, uh, and I want you to notice in the background the purple Schwin Stingray. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Shock absorber on the front end all the way. Uh, how cool was that? So here, this is the house that I grew up in. I hadn't been in this house in over 30 years. And you know what the thing that surprised me most about the house was? How little it changed. Same ugly murals on the basement walls. Same built-in furniture in the family room. Same kitchen cabinets. Same pukey pink ceramic tile and toilet and tub in the bathroom. Any of you have that pukey pink ceramic tile growing up? And uh, I don't know what what people were thinking. And uh, this house is now 50 years old. And basically nothing's changed in it. But it evoked a lot of emotion in me to be in that house. And I don't know what kind of emotion the house that you you grew up in would evoke in you. I'm, I'm sure... Many of you in this room have some very difficult, challenging memories from your childhood and the house that you grew up in. But in spite of all the family squabbles we had in that house, in spite of the day my brother Mike dripped blood all through the house when he accidentally shot a bullet through his finger, uh, in spite of the times my brother Greg used to dunk my head in that pink toilet, uh, true story, which explains a lot about me, actually, uh, The overwhelming feeling I had in that house that day was this is a place where I felt secure. This is a place where I felt like I mattered. This is a place where I felt loved. And you can call it corny. But I stood in that living room and recalled when I was four, five, six, seven years old crawling up in my dad's lap as he sat in his Lazy Boy. My dad's been dead for nearly 39 years now and in spite of that i could feel his hand around me that day i remembered the texture of his skin the size of his hands and the touch of his love and it was powerful to me i went into the kitchen where our family had probably thousands of meals. I'm I'm the youngest of six kids, and the one meal that was required every day in our family was breakfast. Every day we had breakfast together, all eight of us. And at the end of breakfast every day, my dad, a man's man, a guy bigger than life to me, a leader's leader, would humbly take a Bible and break it open, and he would read a verse or two of scripture, and then he'd read a paragraph from a devotional book, and he would lead our family in prayer. Honestly, I don't remember the content of a single one of those devotionals. But his faith and his hope and his love marked my life. And I walked away from that house at 295 Southgate Street in Lincoln, Illinois that day, thankful for the legacy of faith, hope, and love that got built into me there and praying that the kids growing up in my house, eating meals around my table, are going to get that same kind of legacy built inside of them. Friends, again, I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm just trying to give you clarity. Let me ask you again. If this year were your last year on the planet, what would you want to be known for? How would you want to be remembered? What would you want your legacy to be? That's not an idle question. Sometimes death comes to just babies when they're this size. Sometimes death comes to people in the prime of their life like it did to my dad when he was 52 years old. Sometimes people live to be 100 years old. Reminds me of the 95-year-old woman who all her friends had nearly all died. and She said one day, she said, I hope I die pretty soon or all my friends in heaven who are already there are going to think I didn't make it. (laughs) Heather and Eric Jacobs lived outside of Des Moines, Iowa with their four little boys all under the age of seven and a fifth child on the way when Eric at the age of 31 was on a small plane on a business trip that crashed in an Indiana farm field and took his life. But before that fatal day, he left an important message for his family. And with his wife's, Heather's permission, I want to tell you their story as it was told by a Des Moines television station. Take a look.
1: Girlfriends in uh, high school. I can always remember telling me that uh,
0: Eric's a perfect man.
1: They'd say, "You make me sick. He's the perfect man."
2: <laughs> Heather Jacobs was in grade school the first time she laid eyes on Eric. Their fathers worked together, so
1: we were always at the company picnics, the company events together. And and I always asked my parents, "Are the, are the Jacobs going to be there?" Because I wanted to see Eric. So I had a crush on him from elementary
2: school. They never really got to know each other going to rival high schools in Waterloo.
1: I was from East and he was from West, so he liked to say I was from the bad side of the tracks.
2: But at age 16, they did meet. Typical high school sweethearts come and go with the seasons. Rarely do dates from senior prom make it all the way to a family picture.
1: And they still say that to this day. They still say... You know you always had the perfect man.
2: <laughs> they married while students at Iowa State, same major, same classes. After graduation came the boys, four energetic sons. Baby number five is due in January. Looking at the family pictures, there's no reason to doubt this Ankeny family was very, very happy together.
1: And It was supposed to be Eric's last business trip prior to the delivery. So he wasn't going to
2: fly anymore. The night of November 13th, Eric was with three fellow employees from Two Rivers Marketing in Des Moines on board a twin-engine Cessna that crashed into an Indiana farm field, killing everyone on board.
1: I'm very grateful, and I do feel blessed to have had it in my life.
2: The news was devastating, but with four boys and a baby on the way, Heather's first thought was not her personal grief.
1: I need to make, um, their life as normal as possible, um... I feel like they've already lost one parent. They, they can't lose another to someone who just can't get out of bed or every day. Ah!
2: Ah! Suddenly, a single parent, Heather, was without Eric for the first time in 15 years, with four active kids and another just weeks away. But soon after her husband's death, she found help for the future from a very unexpected person. Hello, everybody.
0: Um, if you're watching this, something bad's probably happened to me.
2: Eric had left a message on a DVD Heather found in their fire safe at home on top of his will.
1: As as soon as I saw it, um, immediately a very vague memory came back to me.
2: She recalled a night this summer when she awoke to Eric climbing back into bed.
1: And he said, I had this terrible dream. I had a dream that I died at a young age. And um, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to create a video for you guys and I remember saying what (laughs) and he said don't worry about it I love you don't worry about it just forget forget and I did I completely forgot I had no memory whatsoever of that until I saw the DVD
0: I had all these instructions going through my mind on what I would say like on my last day of dying I don't know if this is God's way of saying record this and it was divinely inspired or if I'm just paranoid, par- paranoid or what. So I wanted to record my thoughts while
1: I had them. I feel like something's going to happen to me. is—he is, says This is kind of weird that I'm even doing this, but I just feel very strongly about it. And he said, if something does happen to me, this is proof that the Holy Spirit was working through me tonight and that there is a plan.
2: For 40 minutes, sitting at his computer's webcam in the kid's toy room, Eric, in the middle of the night, speaks about his faith his hopes for his family, and gives personal messages to his kids, wife, relatives, and friends. And I want you to show this to people, to witness
0: to them, because my life was cut short. Uh, or if, it, if the kids aren't getting out of the house and getting rid of this tape, but if, if the kids are still around, then um, you're going to need some of this
1: instruction. He um, cries. And says you know this is so hard for me but then he but he smiles and he even has humor in the video and as he says um, don't don't feel sorry for me don't feel bad for me I'm somewhere wonderful Uh, be sad that I'm gone but don't feel sorry for me because I'm I'm happy where I'm at I didn't want to leave you now but it was my time
2: it's an unbelievably comforting message for his children But Heather has yet to show the full tape to any of her sons until she gets the okay from her child's therapist.
1: I think the video is a very precious gift that we will always have, And, and the instruction that he has even for the boys in the video is something that will grow with them through time.
2: After the loss of their father at such a young age, the Jacobs boys will rely on videotapes and pictures that most every 21st century family can now rely on, but they will also have their father's instruction about where he has gone instruction he started teaching them long before he made the dvd they
1: talk at least once a day if not not more than that about how um, dad is in heaven and um it was something that eric talked to them about all the time uh, about how wonderful heaven is and how um it's anything that you want it to be it's it's a Party—it's you know whatever—it's it's eternity and it's wonderful and and I think he talked about it so much that they were comfortable with it in the sense of knowing that
0: Dad's in a great place.
2: Mark Tauschek, Channel 13 News.
0: That's mysterious, isn't it? I've got to know Heather. In fact, I've spent time with her. We've been working on a video project to extend the legacy of Eric's life, and she gave me the privilege to sit down and watch the entire 40 minute or so video that he left his family and it's riveting and it's compelling and i'm telling you he got the three primary things right he talks about his faith and that his faith was in Jesus Christ and his hope he knew what was beyond waiting him on the other side his hope wasn't in money it wasn't in power it it, it was in his faith and he was looking forward to heaven one day and he and he took the time to say the words that many of us procrastinate and were reluctant to do sometimes, the words of love to his wife, to his kids, to his parents and family, to his colleagues and co-workers that he worked with. You know, having lost my own dad at a young age, I know those four boys and their sister, Ella, who was born a couple months after Eric was killed, are going to have some challenging times growing up. And they are going to miss their dad every single day. But I also know he got the big three right. And he left them a legacy of what matters. of What remains faith, hope, and love. I'll tell you why it's important to do what we're going to do before we leave here this weekend and write a legacy statement. Because we have demonstrated over and over and over again in our lives what good procrastinators we are. Maybe the most dangerous word in the English language is the word someday. Someday. I'm going to slow down and spend more time with my kids, with my grandkids. Someday I'm going to give more attention to my soul and the spiritual journey of my life. Someday I'm going to step across the line of faith and give my life to Jesus Christ. Someday I'm going to get in a small group of some kind where I can grow spiritually. Someday I'm going to extend myself to people who are in need in other places and broken parts of our world. Someday, someday, someday. What if Eric Jacobs, had laid in bed that night that he felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to get up and make that video. And he said, I'm going to do that. Good idea, God. I'll do that someday. You want to know three words that can revolutionize your life? Start right now. Start right now. I'll bet a number of you, Here and at 95th Campus have yet to get the whole faith dimension of your life figured out. You could start right now going on a journey of spiritual exploration. You could start right now asking questions of faith. You could start right now reading this book on a regular basis, listening to podcasts or CDs or watching DVDs or engaging in conversations or reading books that will help you make progress in your spiritual journey. Many of you, if this year were your last and if you were honest about it, you'd have to say, you don't know that you would have the same hope Eric Jacobs had about what awaited him on the other side of this life. Would your loved ones have that sense of hope about where you had gone? Really, would they? What if you started right now, maybe even today, and invited the living hope, Jesus Christ, into your life to be your hope? And when you've experienced the love of heaven and the love behind a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb, God gives you the capacity to grow your love for other people. Honestly, when people think of your name, is it synonymous with love? Are you writing a legacy of love? Eric Jacobs did, and you can too. As I said, I had the opportunity to watch his entire video his comments to his brothers and sisters, his parents, his prayers for his colleagues that he worked with who had yet to personally experience the grace of Jesus Christ in his life, and he was so hopeful that they would ask Jesus into their lives. And there's a segment I want to show you now, and I do it with Heather's permission, that is so emotionally charged and raw that I wrestled with whether to, it was appropriate to share it or not such a personal expression and I didn't want to be manipulative in any way of anybody's emotions but I finally came to the conclusion it's too important not to show you you know sometimes in life we just need our bell rung with what really matters and is important so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to show you Eric's last words and then the lights are going to remain dim in the room And it's going to be almost uncomfortably quiet. It's not going to be any beautiful music playing or anything. It's just going to be quiet. And I'm going to ask you to sit in the quietness for a moment and to reflect and to say, God, what are you trying to say to me this weekend? What are you trying to speak into my life right now? So we're going to watch Eric's last words, and then I'm going to ask you to listen for God's voice as he whispers to you of what he's trying to say to you about leaving a legacy. Let's take a look. Heather, I'm gonna end because I have pulled it together. I'm gonna end on you. Um, I love you. Um, You were the love of my life. My two best days in the world. Uh, uh, I guess, what was first the day I met you <laughs> uh, that was my first best day <sighs> the second best is the day I married you <laughs> pulled together pulled together <sighs> oh man the day I married you was the best day second best day of my life the next four days as of this point and the fifth day if it happens after this video or the birth of my boys and whoever that fifth baby is that was my fifth best or seventh best day
1: you guys my family means so much to me you guys are a close second to god but you mean a whole lot to me all right
0: i'm signing off
1: well i didn't think i was gonna cry when i made this video but i guess i
0: did <laughs> uh, i love you i want to end by
1: saying i love you
0: So what's God saying to you? Do you hear his voice? You know, I don't want that to leave you in a sad place or a down place. What my prayer is that it lifts you to a strategic place and you get clarity and you get your bell rung about this is what matters. This is what really matters. So I want to ask you to take your bookmark that you have. If you didn't get one, just reach in front of you and take a pen or a pencil. Maybe you can share with somebody, and we're going to take the time right now to write a legacy statement. And maybe you'll write something like, uh, I want to leave a legacy of faith, hope, and love, or I want to leave a legacy of fun memories for my children, or I want to build into uh, people who live in broken parts of the world. I want to have a great marriage and family. Here's what I wrote on my card. Out of love for the God who loved me first, I will leave a legacy of loving leadership in my marriage, my family, church, and relationships. Out of love for the God who loved me first, I will leave a legacy of loving leadership in my marriage, family, church, and relationships. Now, I know you're going to say, Gene, this is a great idea. I'm going to do this someday. I want to encourage you, start right now. This is your moment, okay? Don't just look at me blankly. Take some time and just write it down. Write it down right now. What's God saying to you? I'm just going to give you some moments of silence to do that. Then the team's going to lead us in some music. Then I want to encourage you to keep this. Put it in your Bible. Put it in a good book. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your screensaver. Put it next to your nightstand. And leave a legacy with your life that matters in honor of the God who left a legacy of love for you through His Son, Jesus Christ, and a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb.